So you made it to episode two. Thanks for being here again. Thanks for sticking around and enjoying another Drink at the Rink podcast. Uh, many of you have reached out about the audio issues in the first episode I had with Eric Tangrati, and big thanks to Eric for taking the time. Some great stuff, great stories shared uh, in that first episode. Now, I realized some of those audio issues after I recorded with him, but I figured, you know what, I'll just run with it, see what happens, make the adjustments moving forward. Still, with a lot of you reaching out, I got to say, first of all, thank you for reaching out. Thank you for listening. And I take that to mean that because a lot of people reached out, a lot of people listened. That's great. And I hope that means you gave this a chance. And for that, I appreciate every one of you. And now onward and upward. We're going to jump off the ice with our guest in this episode, my pal Kyle Bukaskis. Uh, you may know him from the incredibly well-coiffed hair he has, which, by the way, uh, I'm very jealous of, although my hair can hold its own when it's completely coiffed and combed. He's done a terrific job on camera also. He's a really, really good ringside reporter. Such a big spot at such a young age working for Sportsnet on their national and regional broadcasts up in Canada. Kyle's still under 30 years old, and it's fair to say he's a very much established name and talent in the NHL's broadcasting industry. I reached out to him to join me on the podcast. He was kind enough to grab a drink and exchange some funny and interesting stories from both in front of the camera and some of the activity that goes on beyond it on some of hockey's biggest stages. So without further ado, here's my chat with Kyle Bukaskis, Drink at the Rink, episode number two. Right, it's great to welcome you to another episode of the Drink at the Rink podcast. Our guest this time our buddy Kyle Bukaskis, reporter for Sportsnet in Canada. Kyle, uh, really appreciate you taking the time. Thanks for being here. How are you? I'm hanging in, man. The weather's getting a little better. I'm sure it is down in Pittsburgh as, as well. So that's helping things. And uh, hopefully we're inching a little bit closer to uh, some hockey again here soon. How you been, Josh? I've been good. Uh, similar kind of thing. Like that the weather is getting nicer, like that things are starting to open a little bit more, uh, enjoying things, uh, at least from the outside perspective, getting to get out a bit, do some hiking, stuff like that. So that that's always a bonus. Uh, and for you, I, I know we'll get into this in a moment, but um, living in Ottawa now, but a BC boy, right? So you probably were made for the outdoors. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so I was born and raised uh, out on the, the west coast of, of Canada on, on Vancouver Island. So, I mean, for those, obviously, who, who follow the league and, and know where Vancouver is, where the Canucks play, I mean, it's a short ferry ride over to the island and uh, about another hour and a half drive up north to a town called Campbell River. And that's where I grew up. And, and absolutely, I mean, you're it's, it's the part of the world where you can reach out to your window in your bedroom and, and touch the mountains, literally. Like, you're so entrenched in green and scenery um rocks trails it's all kind of encompassing the water of course too um, between the ocean and and lakes in the area i mean there's no shortage of of things to do outdoors so i was really fortunate to to grow up there and certainly got a taste for for loving to be outdoors particularly when the, the weather's good and so now here in ottawa actually my girlfriend and i the last couple of weeks we invested in some road bikes and so for myself growing up out there, it was about you know, big, heavy mountain bikes, downhill riding on jagged terrain, um, rocks, uh, and the rest. And now we've got these road bikes with the skinny tires, the frames that are lighted there, and trying to go as, as quick as you can on 
on pavement. It's uh, it's been something totally different from from what I'm used to from a, a riding perspective, but uh, we are loving it. So that's how we're getting a lot of our outdoor fix uh, these days. Yeah, I like the sound of that. My wife and I are big road bikers too, so uh, that's that's good to hear. I'm glad you're enjoying okay. it. Yeah, it's, it's a fun thing to do. It's a good way to kill some time, obviously stay in shape. But I do have to say, from British Columbia and that area, I mean, from our perspective with the Penguins, obviously we only go out there once a season. I look forward to that trip every year going out to Western Canada, generally because we always usually end in Vancouver, uh, and that means you get a couple extra nights there. But I have always thought about – taking uh the trip further up you know that that british Co- uh, columbian border i guess up there at waterside um and and seeing what else is out there so it's it's interesting to hear that that's kind of where you grew up further up that way i mean i'm sure it's just got to be so beautiful it really is and it's that's the thing like you really can't miss i mean you land in vancouver and your options are endless i mean yeah. you can stay on the mainland and go a little bit north from there into whistler or squamish you can head east and go to kamloops and Kelowna. you can hop on the island go up north where i'm from head a little bit south or actually take a ferry right into victoria you can drive over to the west side the west coast of vancouver island and go to tofino and do some surfing out there um it is it truly is is god's country it's funny like growing up i mean for me, you totally took it for granted as like this ignorant teenager because that's all I knew, right? And then I actually I did my schooling for broadcasting in Calgary um, in what's you know known as the, the foothills of, of Alberta, and uh, you know, I'm sure you're familiar with that part of the world too, Josh. But um, so I lived on campus there. My first year, I was up on the ninth floor of uh, of the residence building, looking out to the west. And from my window, I mean, seeing now off into the distance after it had been so close to me for all my life, the Rockies and Banff and everything out there that was more back in the direction towards home. And I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, what have I done? <laughs> um, so it's, uh, it's, it's one of those things where, I mean, ever since any time you get a chance to, to go visit, and unfortunately just how far away I live from home now, you don't get to do it as much as, as you would like. But um, it just means that whenever you do get a chance to get back there, it's just extra special, and, and you just totally take in anything that, that you can. Like, it's just such a, a neat part of the world um, from just everything that it has to offer, being outdoors, the fresh air, and as I mentioned, the, the scenery there is, is absolutely gorgeous. Well, I can tell you this, Kyle. I mean, you do an unbelievable job on Sportsnet. I enjoy the work you do. But based on that rundown you just gave me, I think you'd maybe, you know, when it's all said and done, if you, if you want to work for the tourism board of the Vancouver Island area, I feel like you might uh, just that, that rattling off right there was impressive with all the things to do and places to go. <laughs> I think that would be a pretty. That's got to be a pretty easy job. Yeah. Like if you're working for tourists in BC or something, like you just gotta you show up with like an image of, I don't know, whatever you want, the Fraser Valley. Uh, show up with an image of uh, the Coquihalla Highway. Show up with an image of the Pino. <laughs> like you don't even like you just kind of go here it is. Like yeah, you want to go there? All right, all right, let's go. Let's let's book your travel. Um, it's just that the the images that I say speak for for themselves. So um, who knows? Maybe that's something in the offing. Yeah, there you go. Uh, some time to think about it for sure. Hey, uh, I do appreciate you taking the time. As you mentioned now in Ottawa and the, the, the weather uh, getting a little bit better. And, and I like to start this podcast off by, by beginning in the, uh, the beverage setting before moving on to the ice and the rink and the stories that come with that. So with it being summertime and in this weird dynamic that we're in the, the quote-unquote pre-playoff time, almost like the calm before the storm here with the next month and a half or so. Uh, what's the go-to beverage in the Bukakis household at this time of year? 
<laughs> Great question. So I'm sure you've heard within the last number of months, uh, White Claw has uh, <laughs> migrated north. Yes. So uh, as you can imagine, it has been a massive hit in most places across the country and uh, here as well in, uh, in this household. My girlfriend loves it. Um, for me, like on a nice warm day, it's, it's a great thirst quencher. Um, but I really love, like here in, in Ontario, like they've got a really good selection of, of craft beer. Like there are a ton of different uh, local uh, craft or microbreweries uh, mm-hmm. really all across the, the province. And uh, the provincial liquor stores uh, that you primarily would shop from here, uh, most of them have a really good selection of, of the different breweries uh, across Ontario. And a lot of them are sold in, in singles. So for me, one of my favorite things to do is to just go through and scan the different aisles and just pick, all right, I'll try one of those, I'll try one of those, maybe two of those, <laughs> and just get a different flavor for, for what's out there. So I love, um, you know, different, you know, wheat-style beers, sour beers, uh, lagers, of course. I'm not totally across on the IPA side yet. I find it's just a little too hoppy for, for my liking yet. Um, but there's still so many other flavors that it's just fun to experiment with and, and see what's, what's out there. And there's, there's some, some really, really neat breweries that, that come up with a lot of crazy ideas in terms of flavors and, and just different things that you would never, ever imagine a, a brewery would try, but, but they've done it. So, um, being able to, to cycle through a, a few of those and just get a, a taste for what's out there every season, um, is one of my favorite things to, to do when it comes to a beverage of choice. I'm with you. It's always great to experiment. Uh, I definitely lean more to the IPA side, but it's so funny you mentioned White Claw. I have uh, I have a couple of weird things with my uh, my drinking preferences, I guess. And I, I I always have to preface when I talk to people about this that that's not all I'm doing at all hours of the day. I do, I tend to think about drinking and food and hockey not necessarily in that order at all times. It's just kind of. A, a weird rotation, <laughs> but um, yeah. as, as far as the white claws concerned, so uh, I guess maybe to, to go off of that for a second, I'm the type of person that I will refuse to drink an Oktoberfest beer until it's October. Like I, I know that that's not even Oktoberfest in Germany. Like I, I realize that I just am weird with that stuff. So when, when white claw first came out, I was like, I don't know. This doesn't even seem like it's drink. Like I can't, I can't deal with this. So I, I stayed away from it for a solid, honestly, I want to say a year and a half. I didn't touch it. And it was last Labor Day weekend in the U S uh, right before we went back for training camp, which before all this stuff happened, obviously, uh, I was at a friend's wedding and it was all I had to drink. So I had no choice. Um, and I, I dove in, I had a lime, uh, White Claw, which I now have fully stocked in my fridge downstairs. I'm not too proud to admit it. It, it, it converted me in one drink. It's a good. It's a good beverage. Wow. Yeah. I, I, hey, I, I'm with you there. Like for me, at Christmas time, I love eggnog, and I can crush that <laughs> at all hours of the day. But I do not touch it until December the first. So your rules that you have in place with regards to Oktoberfest beers and the rest. I'm right there with you, man. Yeah, I hear you on that. So good stuff on that. We got our drinks. Uh, We can roll over to the rink now. And I have a lot of stuff that I wanted to get to with you. Um, I feel like your career is is still obviously so much developing and so interesting to watch your rise and how quickly it's been. Um, I did a little bit of reading on you just to kind of act like I know what I'm talking about, but you're the man who's lived the life, so I'm going (laughs) to hand it over to you uh, for a bit as far as to kind of give us – 
an idea of how it came to be with you at Sportsnet. I know you've probably told this story before, but definitely one of the youngest faces on their air for sure on the hockey front. Uh, how did how did you get to this spot and, and rise so quickly? Uh, obviously, the great job you've done has, has a lot to do with it. But um, you know, can you kind of walk us through the story? Yeah, sure. I, I mean, uh, first off, I've just been really fortunate that the people in charge there over my time at Sportsnet, which is, I mean, closing in on seven years now, uh, wow. in October of this year, um, have have believed in me from from the jump. I mean, if I go back to, as I said, I did my broadcasting program in, in Calgary. It was a two-year um, diploma program. And in my second year there, I was I was uh, working with a woman who just happened to be filling in for somebody else who was away on mat leave. She was in charge of the communications department with the athletic program at the school there. And so what they did, which was a really cool thing, like for the varsity volleyball games or basketball or hockey, they would webcast all of them for, you know, families of the athletes or friends or whoever that couldn't actually make it to the gym or the arena or if they were playing on the road, Mm -hmm. they could still watch their, their kids, their relatives, boyfriends, girlfriends, whatever, uh, perform and play. So when they played at home, they would have people there do like the play-by-play for the webcast or like color analyst or maybe even do PA inside the, the gym or, or the rink. So I did a lot of that stuff outside of class time because I love sports and it was just a great opportunity for me to get some reps and get some experience outside of the, the program itself while I was there. So she was in charge of scheduling a lot of people. Uh, for doing that, so that's how she kind of got familiar with with my work, and uh, so then we're in now February of of that year of 2013, and uh, reading break happens. We get back. She says, "Hey, like, what's next for you? Is this your last year of school?" I said, "Yeah, like, I'm just working on putting together a demo reel to start sending out to, to newsrooms if I'm going to start trying to apply for jobs." And she said, well, I don't know if I mentioned this to you, but my dad is the uh, the news director at Sportsnet. I'm like, oh, no, I had no idea at all. And so she says, well, I, you know, I, when I was back there visiting over reading break, I was uh, talking about you to him, and he wants to see some of your work. And I thought, well, wow, this, is, this would be the coolest thing ever to have somebody in that position just to, I don't know, spend a minute, two minutes looking at, at my material and just get some sort of, of feedback from somebody that, uh, as I said, has that kind of role in in the sports media industry. I yeah. thought, you know, that type of feedback and constructive criticism would be invaluable for me at, at that stage. So I sent it off, and, and he wrote back a few days later and said some really nice things and um, just some other things to work on. And on the bottom said, you know, you know, what's next for you? I understand you're graduating uh, this spring. And I said, yeah, I've got nothing in the works yet, but I've got a practicum I still got to go do. And then <laughs> who knows from there. And uh, the next day, I got an email from uh, Scott Moore, who at the time was uh, the president of broadcasting for Rogers Media. And so his name pops up on my email, and I, I see Scott Moore. I'm like, I, I don't know. Like, I didn't know who he was. And so he start, in the blurb in the email now, he's talking about seeing my demo reel that it was passed on to him. And uh, then says, you know, we want to bring you out to Toronto for an interview and, and an audition. And then, of course, at that point, Josh, I mean, your jaw hits the floor, <laughs> your heart starts racing because, I mean, I haven't even graduated school yet. Yeah. And now somebody's telling me they're going to fly me out to Toronto. Uh, it was just incomprehensible at, at the time. And so um, a few months went by. So that was in, in March when that all happened. And then June that year, I, I went out to Toronto uh, nervous as can be. I did a little audition in, in the studio there. 
after the, the six o'clock, what was called Sportsnet Connected at the time had just finished. And, uh, that was a whole nother thing. Like you're in the studio, you've got cameras pointed at you. There's a jib swinging in front of you. Like it was just all so much. It was a total, we're well total. We're not in Kansas anymore kind of feeling. Um, so did that and interviewed with a, a couple of the people in, in middle management and executive positions and just uh, got to know some of the people there over the course of I think four days I was I was in Toronto there and uh, went home kind of with the impression that, you know, we'll, we'll be in touch. And over the course of that summer, I waited to see what ultimately they were going to decide. And uh, late August, I got the, the note from them saying, all right, we, you know, we want to hire you. We want to move you out to, uh, to Toronto. Wow. So. Um, and a month later, I moved out, and, and as I said, started October 1st, uh, 2013, and, and I've been fortunate to be with the company ever since. So, um, so it was a long-winded way to just to get to being it, of course, that Josh, but, uh, so ever since then, it's just kind of been, I mean, I wasn't on the air right away. They continued to work with me and grew me and get to the point where they were comfortable putting me on. And then I was just doing, you know, some generic reporting at the time in Toronto. I then moved to Ottawa, and then you're kind of, you know, you're in charge of, of that bureau, if you will, and, and you're the go-to guy for the Senators, for you now the Red Black, for the CFL, who had just um, became part of the, the Canadian Football League and uh, was there for two years. And then I got moved to Montreal to start doing uh, rinkside hosting for the Canadian games on Sportsnet because we had the regional package there at the time. And that was my first real experience with being part of NHL broadcast, being a rinkside host uh, for NHL games. And so that was my first taste of Hockey Night in Canada and, and being part of, of all of that. So that was a complete whirlwind for, for me that year because now you go from zero to 60 in terms of how much you're traveling, how many games you're doing, and how much you're trying to keep on top of everything. Um, and you've got games every other night, as, as you know, when you get into the, the grind of, of the season. So uh, Montreal for a couple of years, and, and then they, they said, you know, we want to have you do ringside games for the, the Maple Leafs on, on Saturdays. And so now you're all of a sudden part of the, the premier show that, that we have when it comes to, to hockey in this country and part of the Hockey Night brand and, and working with the crew there. And um, the term I like to use, I mean, it's like fantasy league for me with <laughs> looking at the different guys that you get to be with every week from Shirley Najak, the producer, to John Sapala in the director's chair, Jim Houston, the Hall of Famer, up in the booth with Craig Simpson, two-time Stanley Cup champion, like all these people and the, the technical crew around with you to be able to be with them every week. It, it really is uh, a special special thing for, for me, and it's been wonderful the last few years being able to work with them and how much that, that I've learned just from taking in how they go about things, and um, I'm fortunate to, to still be able to, to do it uh, here today. I haven't done it in a while, of course, but uh, itching to, to get back once it's safe to do so. Yeah, I hear you on that. That's that's an unbelievable story. Really cool and a perfect example for anyone who's listening and might be a younger broadcaster or trying to figure out how to move up that you never know when an opportunity is going to come and you always have to be prepared. I think you're a perfect example of not just that, but also then taking it and running with it, which you obviously have. It's so cool to hear about the, the, the time in Montreal and now obviously being in Toronto. And I've run into you a bunch just, you know, both in Canada and when you guys have come to Pittsburgh to cover the teams. So uh, it's, it's great to see how much you've progressed and, and obviously it's all well deserved but i have to ask with you, you mentioned seven years coming up on your time in uh, sportsnet is there been a moment in your mind i mean maybe it was in montreal maybe it was right when you first started where you kind of thought 
wow, like this is a this is a big scale that I'm being broadcast on here, like the national sport on a national station. I mean, is there ever is there a moment that comes to mind where it really hits you? I think probably the the one that, that comes to mind for me. I mean, no question, like that first night working, you know, on on a Saturday, yeah, during an NHL season is is just different. And, and the first game I did is October fifteenth, twenty sixteen. It was in, here in Ottawa, uh, Sens versus uh, Habs. So Bob Cole was doing play by play. Gary Galley was doing oh. color. Like it was just as they said. Like I mean, come on. Yeah. Um, like I awesome. remember driving Bob Cole back to the hotel after the skates in the morning, and I've never been so terrified in my life <laughs> driving down the highway in Ottawa. And you know what the drive is like from downtown uh, to the arena in, in Canada, and just like full on white knuckled. I mean, there's no. It was a fine fall day. Like there's no bad weather or nothing. But I'm white knuckling going down the 417 here i thinking, my goodness if, if something goes awry here um <laughs> i will be known as uh, as as the passenger of the vehicle that uh, bob cole was involved in an accident with so i had to get them back to the hotel safely but um so that do, you know doing something like that and i remember before the game he sat down with me in the, the media meal room and we went over the lineups together and he made sure that i had you know all the pronunciations of the different names right and uh, just little things like that, that 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 always stick with you. And then later that year in the playoffs, Montreal played New York in the, the first round. And uh, for me, I mean, I remember standing there at, at the Bell Center within the, the lower bowl there moments before the national anthems and Ron McLean's doing his spiel at the, the top of the hour to set the stage. And so the idea was he was going to do his thing and then the crowd noise was he was going to throw to the building and he'd let the crowd... Uh, take it for a little bit, and then I had a little, you know, 30 seconds just voiceover to any kind of lineup notes or any other tidbits before uh, the Star Spangled Banner and, and O Canada. And so I remember as, as Ron's finishing up, you know, he goes, The next voice you will hear is that of Kyle Bukowskis. Enjoy. And I'm standing there going, Oh my God, that's me. <laughs> and so uh, it's just, it's a surreal moment where you're in the Stanley Cup playoffs, you're in the Bell Center in Montreal, and uh, the atmosphere that is, is unlike anything else in sports, and uh, just to play a, a small part in, in just the the whole show of it all, um, that that's really what 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 struck me and, and what still sticks with me to this day. I can't even imagine the chills that you probably got. I got them just you hear telling that story about Ron McLean tossing <laughs> to you and. I happened to, to to learn when I was reading a little bit about you before we chatted here uh, that Ron McLean, not surprisingly, is is a guy that you looked up to and idolized as a broadcaster growing up uh, in Canada. Now you work with him, as you mentioned. Uh, what's that been like? Kind of going from a guy, and I, I'm in a similar situation here with Mike Lang, uh, as far as a guy sure. that I looked up to, and now working with him and, and becoming friends with him, like talking with them on the phone it's it's a pinch yourself kind of situation but for you i mean ron mcclain is is the authority i, I know coach's corner is is no more obviously but uh, i remember watching that in college in upstate new york we would look forward to it every saturday night um what's what's it like uh you know getting to to be with him on a i guess somewhat consistent basis and get to pick his brain work with him and maybe even gain a friend in the process yeah it's just it's so many of those things, Josh, and, and you know, you hit it right there. You can totally speak to, to what it feels like, you know, working with a, a legend like like Mike Lang for for yourself. But uh, for me, with with Ron, I mean, he's just as you know, like from from watching him a little bit. I mean, he's got a mind, uh, a memory, a way of storytelling that is unlike 
anyone that I've certainly ever seen in, in sports broadcasting uh, ever. Uh, he's got a way of, of conveying and, and the way he ties different threads together. Um, I mean, it's such a it's at such a level that uh, no one can can ever uh, replace. Like, it, so when the day comes when he finally says, you know, I've I've had enough. It's time for somebody else to do this. I mean, you no one should ever have the feeling of, well, hopefully the next guy is, is going to be as good because that's just our next guy or girls, I should say, is, is going to be as good because um, that's just not possible. He was just in a, a league of his own, and uh, for me, I mean, always, you know, normally. Because he's in studio, you don't get to see him that often, but obviously you get to hear him. And so for me, at the top of the clock at, at 7 Eastern on Saturdays, when he sets it up and does his on-camera before getting to, to me at the rink in Toronto or wherever I am that weekend, um, you know you know that the bar is already going to be set so high from what he's doing. And inevitably, no matter how good I am, the bar is going to be lowered a little bit when it comes to me. But it's always that push of like, all right, I've got to be as good as possible here. So the discrepancy between the two of us is as little as possible. Um, you don't want the bar to be lowered too, too much um, and feel like you're letting the show down a little bit. But it's just been wonderful being able to, to speak with them. Like the nights, you know, if you're away at during Stanley Cup Final or All-Star Weekend or whatever it may be, when he's actually on the road too and, and just being a, with a group of people, him involved and, and talking, whether it's about hockey, life, you name it, uh, it's been really, really neat to, to sit there and just being able to have conversations with them. And, and just talk to him like a like a colleague and and, and like a friend. Uh, you you hit it on the head. It's just such a such a you. Uh, it's it's hard to describe and put into words properly because you never. I never imagined getting to this point to be in a situation where you're having a beer with with Ron McLean um, <laughs> late one night in St. Louis at All Star Weekend or something like that. But um, it's funny how life works sometimes, and, and you just you're, you're very fortunate to be able to be in those situations and and to be able to call someone like him a teammate and, and a friend. Um, it's uh, it's really special for me. No question. I, that's just unbelievable to hear how that's progressed and so exciting, obviously, for you to be able to have a guy like that that uh, you can get to know on a personal level aside from just a professional level. A couple more things, and then I'm going to let you go. Um, as far as being on camera is concerned, I, th- I think that you – have a unique perspective, uh, as you mentioned, being in these rinks, um, almost in times based on where you're stationed for your live shot, uh, right next to the fans, right next to the ice, uh, things can happen. And one thing that I I came across that I had been reminded of, um, was, uh, something I believe happened this year. It may have been last season, uh, with uh, our old friend in Philadelphia, Gritty, Hitting you with the shaving cream. <laughs> uh, where, yes, where, yes. Does, where does that rank as far as uh, weirdest things that have happened to you on live TV? And is there anything that tops it? Uh, I don't know if it tops it, but the only thing that would, would come close in terms of another episode of I never thought I'd be in this situation in my life was, was probably uh, speaking with Hamilton the Pig in Carolina during the playoffs <laughs> last year live on national television sitting down next to him in his little red flyer wagon and, and talking with him. I never envisioned being in that scenario, <laughs> but uh, I, I think I think Gritty takes the, the cake there just because it was so unexpected. I mean, we had talked about maybe having him be a part of that pregame hit there in some capacity, um, but when I looked at him and, and made reference to him right at the, the end of my little spiel, and all of a sudden I just feel silly string being caked on the side of my face, like I had no idea that was coming and so the reaction there was just complete 100% authentic shock 
uh, from myself. But uh, it's a good reminder, uh, as, as it's happened to me a few times uh, in my career so far, that uh, as much as we try to you know inform and, and try to um, educate and tell different stories, you know, we are very much in, in the, the world of, of entertainment in, in our positions, Josh. And, and that was a you know just a good example of that, where there wasn't much thought that went into it. It was just getting blasted in in the face with silly string by one of the more popular mascots in the world. And, uh, and it sounded like most people liked it. If they got a kick out of it, then for me, it was, it was totally worth it. So that was an all timer for sure. From my perspective. Uh, yeah, you handled it like a pro. I can't, I couldn't believe how, when he was stroking the side of your face with his fingers or whatever those things are, uh, how well you kept it together. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that was great stuff. Uh, again, a couple more and then we'll let you know, uh, let you go. Um, Maybe along those lines, you mentioned that you interviewed Hamilton the pig, obviously not a person, uh, but is there someone who maybe in your time over these last six seasons or so uh, comes to mind where uh, maybe the most interesting person you've come across for an interview? It could be, you know, a walk-off interview, someone who's been in attendance at a game that you've been able to catch up with. Anyone that comes to mind that, I don't want to say pinch me because I feel like that's a word that I've used already too many times in this interview, but... Uh, is is there anyone that comes to mind that's kind of like wow, like this is a this is a pretty cool opportunity? Uh, I mean, there's there's a number of them that, that were kind of cool. I mean, I remember the first time like interviewing Sid, and I mean, you guys are around him all the time, so maybe the novelty wears off. But certainly for me, as a Canadian kid that grew up, I mean, I was still quite young when he first broke into the the league, and in many ways, you know, at least in the second half of my childhood, right. would have grown up watching him. So that was really neat, just uh, you know, from personal perspective, being able to, to interview him and, and chat with him in the time since. Um, but one that stand out, and it's not so much a pinch me thing, but I mean, the few times that uh, I've spoken with with Henrik Lundqvist, like in post game settings, like after a win, there's a couple times I did it in the, the playoffs a few years ago with with the Rangers. Uh, it was just fascinating to listen to him because, as you know, he's such an emotional guy that wears mm-hmm. his heart on his sleeve and pours everything into every time he's, he's in the net. And it was, it was awesome where, you know, a lot of players, you know, even in the just removed from the heat of the battle and the thrill of the victory, um, they managed to, to keep things pretty composed and just they've got their message they want to get out, and that's kind of the script that they're sticking to. Um, but in those interviews, he would just pour everything out about, whatever he just went through and, and what the team went through in order to, to get a win that night and, and just what he has been feeling and the emotions and all of that. And it was just fascinating for, for me because, um, as you know, in, in those positions, like you just you, you try like heck to get something a little bit different uh, whenever you can out of, out of these players because, as you know, uh, there could be a lot of times where it's the standard cliches that they keep falling into that same trap of. So yeah. for him, I never found that to be the case. And, and when you're in the playoffs and at the end of a game and something like that, it all just came together. And so um, for all those factors, it's it's that's the one guy that, that stands out to me in terms of the ones that I've I've really enjoyed over the years. Yeah, I feel the the couple conversations I've had with him, he's come away as a, a pretty you know articulate, well thought guy when he when he brings his answers. I, I echo that uh, as far as what he brings to the table. I want to leave you with this, uh, or maybe you can leave me and all of our listeners uh, with this. I, I talked to uh, Gord Miller. I know a, a competitor of sorts with TSN up there in Canada um, d- during this season. I wanted to ask him a little bit about something that I saw that he had done uh, and talked about. I think it was last season in the playoffs. It may have been two years ago. But one of the nice uh, 
I guess, uh, things that I'm able to experience in the postseason is the lack of stress from getting to point A to point B because we travel with the team, obviously, as team broadcasters. You, you guys don't always have that luxury as far as the regional broadcasters. And sometimes you have to get from city to city fairly quickly with how many games are going on. I know Sportsnet has a big team and a big arsenal, uh, but he told me a little bit about the story. I think I want to say it was two years ago uh, where he had to get to Minnesota uh, for a game and his flight was delayed there were storms through chicago or something so he flew somehow ended up flying into winnipeg drove to minnesota uh got to the rink at like six fifty-five for you know they come on the air at seven o'clock when those games just roll one into the other uh, and, and was able to just basically jump into the booth and do the game i don't know if you had anything uh, experience wise like that but is there is there anything where it's been like oh my gosh am i going to get to the rink on time today is there anything that, that comes to mind I actually, no. I, I've been been really lucky here, as I knock on wood, because I've never been on the charter. You're always relying. I've always relied on on commercial travel um, to get from from city to city. I mean, there's a few instances where you've been in in back to back scenarios where you're getting up, you know, at the early hours, the wee hours of the morning, to get on a six a.m. flight, and sometimes you even got to connect yeah. um, to get to the city that you're you're going to land in and to do the game in that night. But I've been fortunate. Like there hasn't really been any real close calls or major delays. I mean, the only time, and again, it wasn't even a, a stressor. Again, going back to playoffs a few years ago, second round, New York, Ottawa. Um, in between games five and six, game, sorry, games four and five. Game five was an afternoon game in Ottawa. And the day before, the off day between games, I was traveling back from, from New York to Ottawa. And whatever reason was going on, I think, you know, Pearson Airport in Toronto was having a day, which is where we were supposed to connect through, and everything was delayed, 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 and so instead of landing in Ottawa at 2 in the afternoon, you wind up landing there at closer to midnight, so you're spending all day sitting at the airport in LaGuardia waiting <laughs> to, to get out, My and your day is completely shot, and whatever you wanted to get done then just goes out the window, so trying to work and be productive while sitting at the airport then becomes the, the adjustment for you. But, I mean, thankfully we made it in that day and I was able to get into the hotel, get up the next morning and, and make it to the game in, in no time. But um, there's yeah, there's some great stories, as you know, right, from different uh, guys and girls on and the tales on the road about just narrowly making it to a, a game in time. But for myself, I'm, I'm lucky that I haven't um, been pushed right up against it uh, too, too much yet in my career. But uh, it seems like surely someday it's going to happen and uh, hopefully I'll be ready for it. Well, uh, I also knocked on wood when you said that there because I really, really hope I did not just jinx you. Uh, Kyle, listen, I can't thank you enough. I, I really appreciate you taking the time. I hope you and your girlfriend, your family are doing well, staying healthy. And I don't know what things are going to 100% look like when, when the NHL returns, which hopefully it will here uh, later on this summer. But uh, looking forward to the day that comes when we can see each other in the rink again soon and uh, maybe do this again sometime. Absolutely, Josh. Thank you very much for having me. And uh same to you and, and your family, and uh, you bet. Looking forward to the, the day that comes where we can see each other at the rink and, and shake hands again. I look forward to when that's going to be okay. But uh, in the meantime, uh, all the best, and hopefully we got some hockey to cover here soon. Great stuff from Kyle. Really appreciate him taking the time. And if you aren't already, be sure to follow him on Twitter at SN Kyle Bukaskis. I'll spell that last name for you. B-U-K-A-U-S-K-A-S. If it was an SAT word, my score would have dropped lower than it already was. You can also follow him on Instagram, 
uh, at Cousin Waldo. Cousin, the word you know. Waldo, W-A-L-D-O. That's going to do it for episode number two. Hope you enjoyed the conversation. And I do want to remind everyone out there and let you know if you didn't know already. First of all, we are on Twitter at DrinkRinkPod. So give us a follow. The follower count is very low. I expected that, but maybe we can start to boost it up here as the episodes start to come out. And also, as far as listening to the podcasts, uh, they're not just available on SoundCloud anymore as they were to begin this whole thing. I've been able to get them on Spotify, Google Podcasts. We have an RSS feed, a lot of different avenues for you to find the podcast and tune in wherever you may be and however you may like. We're working on getting them on uh, other platforms in the near future, so I'll be sure to keep you on, uh, posted on that as well. In the meantime, be safe, be well. Thanks for listening, everybody, to the Drink at the Rink podcast. Cheers, everybody.